0: New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally savvy with registered holistic nutritionist, Andrea Donsky and health journalist, Lisa Davis.
1: I'm Lisa Davis. My wonderful co-host, Andrea Donsky is away today. I can still remember my 14th birthday very clearly. Uh, I had invited some friends and one of my closest friends didn't come and I was really, really hurt and she didn't come to a lot of things and she started leaving the house left, less and less and I didn't understand what was going on and then she came to me and she said, I have something to tell you. I have an anxiety disorder. I have agoraphobia and she sat me down and we talked about it and, and I was understanding my, I had, I had a, a, a excuse me grandmother who had some mental health issues and so I, I understood there was mental health challenges. It was physical challenges. But I saw how much she struggled with this. And so I was very excited when I got the book On Edge, A Journey Through Anxiety by Andrea Peterson. I think it's so important for us to share our stories. And I'm thrilled to have Andrea on the show. Hello there. Welcome to Naturally Savvy. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's so nice to have you on. You know, I started with that story because I think there are a lot of people out there who have anxiety, and one of the things that my friend used to talk about was this fear of what could happen. And you talk in the fr- in the prologue, you write, "Fear ambushes me," and I thought, it, like, immediately, it brought me back to that time. Tell us about that.
0: Right. So, well, one of the definitions of anxiety is the anticipation of pain. So it's mm, about yes. this uncertain future. Uneasiness about what, you know, something terrible that may or may not happen, but you don't really know what it is and when it's going to happen. And yes, I opened the book with um, my a moment in my life where anxiety really became an occupying force in my life. Um, it was, I was a sophomore in college at the University of Michigan, and I was actually registering for classes, and it was a normal morning, typical morning. I felt fine. And then literally a second later, I didn't. My heart rate kicked up. I was short of breath. I broke out in a sweat. I started having strange visual changes. I literally had like these gray blotches that appeared before my eyes. And I was just, just gripped with this overwhelming terror that I was about to die. And you know, now I know that that was a panic attack. But at the time, I had no idea what that was. And it ushered in this period of about a month where I felt pretty, you know, these, these very intense physical sensations, as well as this just overwhelming dread and terror. And um, unfortunately for me, I was not diagnosed uh, correctly for a year. Mm. And so it started me oh on this goodness. medical, yes, it was it started me on this medical odyssey where I bounced from doctor to doctor, had many, many different medical tests. Um, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And it finally, I ended up in a psychiatrist's office about a year later who finally said, you know, I, I can put you on an antidepressant or I can send you to the anxiety disorders program at the University of Michigan Hospital. And that was the first time that anyone had mentioned the word anxiety to me.
1: I find that so surprising, especially because this was in the in the early nineteen eighties, and I, you know, where she had actually a, gotten that. is oh, Isn't that odd? Yeah, I. Isn't that? I, yeah. You know what it was? I think she saw something on her mom saw something on Oprah. <laughs> I'm not trying you to laugh, what? but I mean that was like it's the time, right? No Google, right. <laughs> no internet. Right. I mean, I was diagnosed in
0: 1990. So, um, okay. and and the thing is that even today, you know, even though now, you know, now I think I would have. I hope I would have been diagnosed much more quickly. I do think that there's a lot more awareness about mental health issues and among the medical community and just among, um, you know, people in general, particularly on college campuses. Um, but even so, you know, I've talked to a lot of a lot of times anxiety manifests itself in very physical symptoms. And I had one doctor say to me, you know, most people don't, who are suffering from anxiety don't come in and say, you know, I have anxiety. They 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 complain about physical symptoms, about headaches or stomach aches or uh, heart palpitations, and so even now it can it can be difficult for you know or just you know some doctors just may not think that you know it's really it's really anxiety that's to blame and and, uh, not something else.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh people often think, well, some kind of childhood trauma could trigger it, but and that can happen. Or, you know, another person I knew had smoked pot and they got super anxious. You actually talk about it in the book and and, and that happened I to too. me. At a Van yeah, Halen that was my concert. first panic I'm gonna attack. be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. See, my friend who had the agoraphobia I has that was her first panic attack. And I remember I was at a Van Halen concert again, early 80s, and I wanted to go so badly And it was a big deal. And I stupidly said yes when some guy offered me some pot. I really didn't smoke pot. And I completely flipped out. And I had a major panic attack. And I left. But I have never had one since then. So I feel lucky. But yeah, they do say that sometimes that can trigger it. But sometimes you're just born with anxiety, right? I mean, I think people need to be aware of that as well. Right. There's
0: so many different factors that can lead to problems with anxiety. You mentioned childhood trauma. That's definitely one of them. Uh, childhood illness, actually, particularly respiratory illness like asthma or bronchitis. I had uh, bouts of bronchitis when I was a kid, when I was very young, oh, yes. and that is actually a a, um, a risk factor, particularly for panic disorder. Um, other things like certain kinds of parenting, having parents who are very controlling, um, and can also contribute to anxiety. Genetics are also a, a major factor as well. Um, If you have a first-degree relative, say a parent or a sibling or a child who has an anxiety disorder, your risk is five times five times greater than the general population. So, so that is an element of it as well. But there is something close and tied to genetics. There's something uh, called temperament, which is sort of this kind of uh, a a, one researcher told me it's equivalent to like a dog breed. You know, there's certain kind breeds of dogs that are just sort of by nature. high-strung and others that are more mellow. And so there's something called high-reactive and low-reactive temperaments. And those are actually, Mm. you can see those in babies as young as four months old, and it's how they react to novelty. And high-reactive babies, babies who sort of thrash their arms and legs and cry at um, unusual or unfamiliar uh, stimuli, they are much more likely to later develop issues with anxiety, particularly social anxiety. So, there's just, you know, there's no single kind of smoking gun about why someone has um, an issue with anxiety, but there's many different factors. That, and they all probably play a tiny, tiny role in, in the overall picture.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's definitely a genetic factor. I mean, my daughter has anxiety, but she also has some other neurological okay. issues. And it's sort of mm-hmm. a comorbid kind of thing. And then my mother in law, she passed away, but her anxiety was tremendous. And uh, you know, so I see it. My mother had some anxiety as well. And it can be really tough. You know, I wanna jump into the book. I thought this was interesting. It, it talks you were in this program, anxiety disorders program, and it says January sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Um Andrea comes in after six-month absence from the clinic. She comes uh, complaining of difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, dizziness, occasional experiences, derealization, and depersonalization. That's something that I've, I've um, studied a bit because I know some people okay. who have some of that from trauma. I'm curious. So how does that play in with anxiety? And what was that like for you?
0: It is, it is actually one of the um, uh, you know, symptoms of a panic attack. You know, you really kind of mm-hmm. feel like you're – I mean, for me – and, and especially when I was having that very intense period of about a month where I was marooned on my parents' sofa, kind of in the grip yeah. of almost like a month-long panic attack, for me it really felt like um, my perception, like my visual perception was all off. I felt like I was wearing someone else's glasses, like the, the wrong prescription glasses, oh, where yes. literally the the, the, the um, walls would kind of tilt at odd angles and the floor would tilt up, tip up at me. So it almost felt like a little bit of... Sort of unreal, kind of Alice wonder like, and it also can can feel very alienating. It, it um, I would feel just very separate from what was going around me. Like there was some sort of impermeable um, membrane between me and and other people, and and um, like I felt like a spectator in my own life.
1: You know, it's so interesting I know it's, you said I know that about the isolation. Yeah. Well, it doesn't to me because I'm familiar, okay. but I, I and I think okay. it makes a lot of sense. But I just gonna say, I, I you know I went through your book. It looks like I'm back in school. I mean, it's all marked up. And the next thing I was gonna ask you about is the isolation chamber. You write the most frustrating, yeah. actually heartbreaking fallout from anxiety is that when I'm in the thick of it, it separates me from those I love. Anxiety is an isolation chamber where worry and fear elbow out human connection. You're a beautiful writer, by the way, as well. Oh, thank you so I mean, much. That's yeah, really profound.
0: That that and I have to say that that still is the toughest thing about anxiety, especially when you know, for me, when it's when it's really uh, at a at a serious level. Um, when it's sort of a typical low hum, I can I can you know I can I can manage to make connections. But but when it's, when it really seizes up, um, I feel like you know my brain is just too tied up with worry, and that, that it that it really elbows out room for anyone else. And I can't, I kind of become selfish and to the needs of other people just because, you know, not because I want to, but because my mind is is just consumed with my own worries and fears that there's no room for anybody else. And that's something that has been very difficult to deal with, particularly now that I have a child. And there's something I find so heartbreaking where, you know, my daughter and I are trying to play dolls and, and, or read a book and, and I feel like. You know, only a tiny, tiny sliver of my brain is actually present in those moments. You know, I do have to say, though, that, you know, there, that, that that's, the, that's, the, that's the downside. And that's when anxiety really is, at you know, in a fever pitch. But when it's, when it's, you know, when it's not so bad, when I have it under control, you know, I do feel like that there's been some benefits for my relationships, too, that, um, you know, going through this has made me vulnerable, made me ask for help. And thereby deepen my relationship and, and, you know, it's made, it's made them more intimate. And I also feel like it's given me, you know, going through this anxiety, it's, it's given me a, a, a point of connection with other people in pain and it's made me more empathetic. So those are good things, but, but definitely when oh, definitely. anxiety is, when anxiety is, like, when I'm really in the grip of it, it's, it, you know, it just kind of blocks out love and, and life.
1: Well, talk to us about some of the treatments. I mean, in the book, you talk about mm-hmm. CBT and there's medication. And I want people to read the book, but give us... Sorry, don't give it all away. But give us some <laughs> sense of, you know, some of the things well, that you've done so that you to found the, the most helpful. Yeah so, yeah.
0: so the two, the two major um, evidence-based treatments for anxiety disorders are cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a talk therapy. And the main component of it is called exposure. And basically, it's not very fun, but what it is, is that you basically systematically and gradually expose yourself to the very things that you're scared of. And so um, for me, I had a lot of problems. Um, I, I get, would get very scared when my heart rate would, would rise. And so my therapist actually had me run up a flight of stairs every day and then run up two flights wow. of stairs. I had to actually welcome that that feeling that that um, made me so afraid. And what you do when you, with exposure is that, you basically prove to yourself that the ter- terrible catastrophic things that you believe are going to happen for me, that I was going to drop down of a heart attack don't actually happen. So, and you know, for, for people with agoraphobia, it could be, you know, I actually, I was in a, a, um, a therapy group with several people who were almost homebound because of agoraphobia mm. and they, um, you know, had to little by little every day, you know, go a little bit further away from their house, you know, whether it was just to the front porch or, you know, to the mailbox, you know, so they could, you know, fully so, expand their world. And then there's also the yeah, other, the main, sense. the main pharmacological treatment are antidepressants, ethyl- SSRIs like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, and those have been shown in various studies to be at least modestly effective, effective at treating anxiety symptoms. There's other drugs, benzodiazepines, which tend to, you know, the, the upsides of those, like things like Valium and Xanax and Klonopin, they work immediately. They can actually derail a panic attack for me with, with Um, but they do have a, there is a the possibility of addiction and abuse. And so doctors can be yes. very um, worried about prescribing those, particularly long-term.
1: Yeah, I think also, for the short term, it makes sense. right? Like I had a friend who's never flown, the friend with agoraphobia, although she's come a long way. But if she didn't have that uh, that Xanax, she wasn't going to fly. And it was just enough right, to right, just get her right. to her destination. And then she still had, you know, some panic, but not to the degree she would never have gone. So I, I definitely see right. that as a positive right. thing.
0: Right. And for me, you know, I actually carry a bottle of Clonopin everywhere I go
1: because it just makes me feel...
0: They, you know that if i have a panic attack and i'm somewhere particularly if i'm on an airplane you know somewhere where i'm sort of trapped um i feel mm-hmm. i just feel more secure sort of moving in the world knowing that i have this you know sort of you know safety net um mm-hmm. if i you know chemical safety net if i need it
1: and that's really what it is. I mean, I think, you know, here on Naturally Savvy, we always try to highlight the natural ways and mindfulness and meditation and yoga. But I do think, obviously, there is a time and place for medication. What are some of the more natural things that you've been able to do? and right. Have they been helpful?
0: They Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, yoga in particular has been incredibly important for me. But first of all, the, the research is really, there's a lot of exciting research around mindful, mindfulness practices, meditation, yoga, acupuncture, massage. I mean, there's many, um, many things that are, that are, that can be helpful for anxiety. Um, I personally, for, for me, you know, when, when my anxiety is really um, intense, you know, I, I know that I need to go to talk therapy and sometimes medication, but for me, for keeping it, for for keeping it at bay, you know, when um, to, to prevent relapse, for me, yoga has been incredibly important. Um, because you know, if you think about it, anxiety is a future-oriented state. It's all, and so, and so, by the very nature of of a, a practice like uh, meditation or yoga, I mean, it's all about being in the, it's something that grounds you in the present moment. It's sort of the antithesis of anxiety. And so, the more you can sort of, we can train ourselves to be in that present moment, the more I mean, that that's a sort of natural combatant to anxiety. I'm actually terrible at meditating. I really
1: wish I was better. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but,
0: but my mind jumps all around, and I and then I just think about how how what a poor job I'm doing of it. So for me, yoga just has, has <laughs> enough. You know, and people call it a moving meditation. Um, sure. And so, uh, and, and you know, I and what I found actually is that online yoga has been incredibly helpful because I can do these little short parts of it every day, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and I really see. Um, you know, my stress level, my anxiety level decreasing, and um, my my need for using a benzodiazepine has really plummeted. So, um, uh, i you know, there's there's been there's been a lot of lot of upside for that. You know, and it's interesting because it doesn't have to necessarily be. You know, I, I find also that other things that can kind of ground me in the present moment. Um, and I think it's different for everybody. You know, some people I know, you know, really it's helpful for them to sort of take a walk in a park or um, if for me, I love to bake actually. And start, for me, mm. sort of that, uh, that, you know, kneading dough mindless, like kind of mindlessly following a recipe you know, and of course, all the accolades, like, and, and you know, the, just the joy of having a chocolate chip cookie afterward, you know, as long as I don't eat too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll to slip just slip you my address so you can send me right. some.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, the accolades I get from family and friends um, is, is, sure. is really soothing. And, and you know, I've talked to other people who are listening to music or, you know, any anything that you can find to sort of, um, you know, that can be something that can like kind of keep you you know, here in the present moment, and that's really that can help sort of combat you know that future-oriented worry that is easy to get sort of caught up in. You know, there's also a lot of really interesting research looking at the link between difficulties in, with sleep and um, anxiety too. Um, that uh, insomnia and insufficient sleep have really been shown to fuel anxiety. So that's why I I personally prioritize sleep. I Me need too. to get eight, I need to get eight hours of sleep. And, um, and for anxious people, that sufficient that, uh, sleep is even more critical because it turns out that the, the sort of uh, brain um, uh, signature of anxiety, which is this uh, kind of wonky relationship between two parts of the brain, um, the amygdala, which is implicated in, in uh, anxiety and has to be overactive in people that are anxious, and the prefrontal cortex, which is kind of like the brake on anxiety, but that actually um insufficient sleep can actually make you know that sort of what, what normally is going on in anxious people even even more prominent. So so that's why there's a lot of really interesting research on, on sleep and how and how, you know, it, when we get enough of it, it really it really can help with our anxiety levels.
1: Oh, it really makes a difference. I have so many people make fun of me because I'm in bed every night between eight thirty and nine. Because <laughs> I get up between like five and five thirty and he, I have a friend, and he's like, "Why don't what, you're you're an adult? Can't you be more flexible?" And I'm like, "No, because I want my sleep." You know, you know, we right, only have a few minutes right. left, Andrea. You're so lovely. I, uh, I, I, this acceptance and commitment therapy, I had never heard of that yes. before. And I know that yes. that emphasizes the mindfulness. If you can tell us in like it two does. minutes about that, sure. Yeah.
0: Acceptance and commitment therapy is another great evidence based treatment, and it's very similar in some ways to cognitive behavioral therapy in that it does have the exposure component. Um, in 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 ACT, it's actually we're framed instead of sort of facing your fears, it's more about doing the things that um, will bring you closer to sort of your life goals and life values. So it's sort of kind of just cast a little different, and then also does have a have a strong mindfulness component where you do various mindfulness exercises um, and and meditation exercises. So that's a that's a lovely that's a great um, a potential, you know, it's a potential treatment for somebody who would like to incorporate the mindfulness, um, mindfulness into a, a, a program of cognitive behavioral therapy.
1: Andrea, this has been so enjoyable. I'd love to speak with you again. Again, the book is on edge, a journey through anxiety, Andrea Peterson, tell us all the ways we can learn more about you and your fantastic book. Thank you so much.
0: Please uh, you know, please check out the book also my website is by andrea peterson p e t e r s e n com
1: Oh, wonderful. I want to thank everyone for listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. You can find us on RadioMD.com, on iTunes, on iHeart. If you can subscribe and rate and review on iTunes, it makes a big difference. I love talking about these issues. I love having real people sharing what has worked for them, whether it be anxiety or healthy living. And so I'm just so thrilled to be doing this podcast. I want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Got this month, uh, Goddess Garden, natural sunscreens, mineral-based sunscreens, reef safe. So do check out goddessgarden.com. Thanks everyone for listening and stay well.